I'm going to actually give you two messages for the price of one today. I'm going to give you a little one and then a longer one. Is that okay? Um, the little one is about baptism. And, um, and this kind of reminds me of the preacher who I heard say once. He said, before I preach my sermon, I want to tell you the truth. And uh, I don't think he meant it like that. But uh, I want to tell you the truth all the way through. Uh, Christy and I have taken most of January off um, just hanging out at home with the kids and with um, Christy's mum and dad, which has been lovely. And then last weekend, uh, I just had three days on my own uh, in a friend's holiday home. And it was just a fascinating thing to me because I've been in total holiday mode and, uh, and just completely disconnected from everything. I was off Facebook and email and, and basically everything, which was lovely. But last weekend, just sensing the Spirit of God reconnecting uh, me and uh, speaking to me about various things. And in my journal, I wrote quite a few things down that the Spirit of God is saying uh, for us as a church community. And uh, one of the things that he spoke to me was about baptism. Now, next Sunday, uh, after the service, we're all going to be heading to Chelsea Beach. We've picked somewhere again, it's right in the middle of the two campuses, because there'll be people from the Frankston campus and people from the Cheltenham campus who want to be baptized. So we're all converging together as uh, one community uh, to baptize a number of people. And so just for the next few minutes before I preach my main message, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles or your iPhones, whatever, to Matthew chapter 3. And I want to share a few thoughts with you on the baptism of Jesus and why Jesus was baptized and why it's a good idea for us as well. Now, there are dozens of reasons given in Scripture of why we should be baptized by full immersion when we're old enough to actually make the decision for ourselves. But for uh, this particular thing, um, I just want to share two reasons for you. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Now, that's not that John had not already been baptized in water. What John's referring here to is what he's just been talking about, uh, and that is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He says, well, there's one coming after me, his sandals I am not worthy to tie up or to carry, depending on which particular gospel you read. And, uh, and he says, the one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus comes to John, he says, baptize me in water. And John is saying to him, but I need your baptism. And Jesus doesn't argue with him. He said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And it's that statement I'm going to come back to in a moment. Then John consented, obviously baptized Jesus. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And so that statement that Jesus makes is fascinating. Uh, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, righteousness has two meanings, and I'm just going to share those briefly with you. One of them is to, is to do right. It means to do the right thing, and the other meaning is to be right, to be right in relationship with God. And so let's unpack those really quickly. First of all, to do right. It's right action. It's about doing the right thing, uh, which has been the tagline of the Keep Australia Beautiful campaign for years and years and years and years. Do the right thing, get your rubbish, 
and put it in the bin, don't throw it on the ground. Last year they highlighted cigarette butts. Do you know that Australians flick, on average, seven billion cigarette butts onto the ground every year? 53% of our rubbish in this nation every year, 43%, is cigarette butts. And so they focused on that last year and they encouraged Australians where to stick their butt. <laughs> now, they're, they're, they're not very nice little things other than them being very dangerous, of course, and starting brush fires and grass fires and all of that kind of stuff. They're, they're, uh, they're horrible. They're full of saliva and they're full of chemicals. It's like George Bernard Shaw. He talked about cigarettes, he said, is a pinch of tobacco rolled in paper with a flame at one end and a fool at the other. Now, that's not to condemn you. If you're a smoker, um, I just want to let you know you're very welcome here, but it might be something that you want to pray uh, into uh, over the process of time, like our healing rooms, to really get free. <laughs> Amen? Because Christians shouldn't smoke. They should be on fire. And they won't send you to hell, but they'll make you smell like you've been there. All right. And so the Keep Australia Beautiful campaign was all about taking those horrible little half-sucked chemical-filled things and disposing of them correctly. And that's what baptism is about, is about doing the right thing, because we have filth in our life as well. And, and the Bible says that baptism is not about cleansing the body, it's about washing the spirit, and it's about having a clean conscience before God. And so next weekend, some of you actually need to take your butt and, and immerse it in Chelsea Beach. <laughs> Amen? That's right. The second reason, he said, is because of righteousness, because about being in right relationship with the Father. And I want you to notice there that before Jesus had done anything, this is the start of his ministry. He'd been baptized, comes out of the water, and there's a voice of the Father who says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. My beloved son, I'm well pleased. I love this son. What had the son done? Nothing. And there's a beautiful truth there. Sometimes we, we want to do stuff because we want to earn the father's love. And if you've had a parent like that, you've always had to do stuff to earn their love. You, you end up doing stuff, but you do it for the wrong reason. I want to serve the Lord because I'm already loved by him. Because I'm already in right relationship with him. And Jesus is in right relationship with God, with God uh, before he had done anything at all. It's a little bit like babies. Those of us who have got children, when that baby was born, you love the baby straight away. That's my beloved son. That's my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. What have they done? Well, they've burped. They've, um, they've drunk milk. Uh, they've pooed their nappies and they've slept. And that's pretty well all they do for the first little while, isn't it? A little bit. And they go through that again when they become teenagers. <laughs> and, uh, but what have they done? Well, actually nothing. But do you love them? Absolutely. Some of you needed to hear this today. That's how God views you. Before you've done anything, He loves you completely. And baptism is a representation of that right relationship. And so some of you need to be baptized next weekend. And if you want to be baptized, have a chat with Jimmy and Emma straight after today's service while you're having lunch and a coffee or a tea together. Let them know. They'll pass that on and we'll be in touch with you. And you can be part of the crew who are being baptized next weekend. Amen. 
Let's all stand together, shall we? We're going to put the Lord's Prayer on the screen. And I'm launching this series right now. Lord's Prayer number one is called to community. It's based on Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. And it's in response to his disciples coming to him and saying, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, this then is how you should pray. And he gives us this beautiful, written, crafted prayer that expresses everything uh, of how we are to pray with our Father and to him. So let's say this together. Let's go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. That last line, incidentally, is not included in the modern translations of Scripture, it's found in the King James Version and the New King James with a footnote. And the reason for that is that when the King James Version was uh, translated, it was authorized by King James to be translated into English of its day, which, by the way, we, you, we couldn't read. It's almost like a foreign language to us now if you were to read the original one. But when it was authorized, it was translated from the manuscripts that they had available to them in that particular time period. Since that time, over the last, what, 600 years, uh, archaeologists have uncovered more and more manuscripts that are older and are deemed to be more reliable than the ones that the King James was translated from. And all of the earlier manuscripts don't have that last line. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so you'll find that all the modern translations actually leave that line out. It's not because they're wrong or heretical or there's no conspiracy. They weren't, um, you know, commissioned by the Illuminati or anything like that. Um, It's because the older translations, uh, sorry, manuscripts are are deemed as more uh, reliable. But there's nothing wrong with that last line. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen is theologically correct. The first two words of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, beautifully encapsulate the entire Christian faith. It's all about community, our. He's my Father, He's your Father, He's our Father. So it's about community and it's about relationship. He's not just my Father, He's our Father who calls us into community and relationship, a relationship with Him that creates relationship between others who also call Him Father. We are called to community. The Lord's Prayer, as I mentioned before, is a crafted prayer. It's a, it's a, a written prayer. And there's nothing wrong with writing prayers. It's beautiful to be able to express yourself spontaneously from your heart, but it's also just as right to write prayers down. And I'm going to teach you on that in a couple of weeks' time. The Bible contains about 650 written prayers. Back in Jesus' day in the synagogue, there were 18 synagogue prayers, and they had various beginnings to those prayers. Some of those prayers started with God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. Others started with Builder of Jerusalem or Redeemer of Israel. Two of those 18 prayers started with Our Father, And that's the one that Jesus chose to start the prayer that he taught to his disciples when they asked him how to pray. The only difference is that Jesus broke with tradition and he changed the word father from Hebrew to Aramaic. The Hebrew word is avinu, A-V-I-N-U, 
And instead of praying in Hebrew, which, by the way, they were supposed to pray in back in Jesus' day, he slipped into Aramaic and he used the word Abba, A-B-B-A. Now, the proper pronunciation of the word is Abba, but I'm not going to say Abba all the way through the message today, all right? Because it sounds a little weird. So I'm just going to call it Abba, but it has nothing to do with the pop group. I just want to say, um, I work 15 years at 3MP, not very far away from here uh, in the city of Frankston. I worked there for 15 years, and I have had enough of ABBA. I'm just saying, I can still hear the drums, Fernando. And uh, I'm actually going to go to healing rooms to get set free from that. And so, why did he use Aramaic when all the Hebrews of the day would talk in Hebrew. When they were addressing God, they would pray in Hebrew. What he did was he used the language of daily communication. So all the Jews would pray in Hebrew, much like the majority of Muslims in the world still pray. When they pray, they will use 7th century Arabic because that's, in their opinion, a sacred language uh, to which they need to pray to God. What Jesus did in the Lord's Prayer was teach His people that there is no sacred language in which we have to address God. In fact, by that, declared all languages sacred. When I first came to the Lord, um, I was involved in a radio station in Western Australia in a small country town, and there was only one Pentecostal church in the town. It had about 20, maybe 25 people, 25 people on a good day, and... uh, the pastor was very old school, and, and so the King James Version of the Bible was the one that we all had to read. He didn't like any of the modern translations, he used to preach against them, and he would say, you all have to read King James. The inference was, if King James was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it would be good enough uh, for us as well. And so I spent the first few years of my Christian life reading the King James Bible, and I actually quite enjoy the King James, and some of you may love the King James too. There's certainly nothing wrong with it. The only problem with it is that it doesn't address daily communication. Have you noticed that when you talk to people, you don't go, yea, verily, how art thou today? You know, uh, after lunch today, we go thither from this place, whither thou hast ever wouldst go. You know, we don't say suffer the little children to come to me and all of that. Back in this church, when people prayed, they would click into King James. When someone would get up and prophesy, uh, in, a, in a small meeting or whatever, they, they would put a hat on, first of all, if they were women, because women have to cover their heads, and, and then God would speak to us in King James. Yea, verily, or verily, verily, I say unto thee, my people. And off he would go and speak in perfect King James. Why? Because God speaks King, King James? No, because that's what people had been reading, and out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth spoke. But Enjoy the King James if you enjoy it, but realize that in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to use our everyday language when we're speaking to God. We don't need to learn Hebrew prayers or Arabic prayers. You're not excluded if you don't know these languages. Just use the language you're most comfortable with when you're chatting with our Father. Now, question, what did the word Abba mean to Jesus' hearers? I'm so glad you asked. Let me answer it for you. Abba originated as a sound that babies would use as they developed speech. It's a little bit like in our English language. You know, babies make little noises, right? And um, when they're starting to speak, and of course, we talk to them in baby language. 
which is fine. In fact, we babies actually learn how to speak a language when they hear adults speaking slowly and elongating. So when we go to a baby and go, hello, like this. I mean, that would be weird if we talked to each other like that, you know. Hello, Emma. She goes, uh, maybe your holiday wasn't quite long enough. You know? <laughs> but when we do that to babies and then they go, and all those sort of noises, and over the process of time, we've written some of those words down. And so in English, a goo and ga, a ga ga. And those sort of words, they're nursery words, they're baby words, they're words that babies, we hear the sound and then we've written those down and we brought those into the English language. And that's what Abba was. That was a word that in Middle Eastern countries, in fact, in four Middle Eastern countries, it's still a word. Um, and if you were to talk in, say, Lebanon or Syria or Jordan um, or Palestine, and you mention the word Abba, they would know what you're talking about. It's the word that babies use to address their dadda, their daddy. And that's where the word came from, and it got adopted over the process of time to be a very familiar word where which little children would address their father. I love the way babies talk to each other, and I found this beautiful little clip uh, on YouTube during the week. These are twin boys, and uh, they are speaking baby language to each other, and they know exactly what they're saying. Just get it. No, Christy, I don't want to do it with you. No, that's no, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who wants Christy and me to do this? Ah, oh, seriously. Okay, just get it ready anyway. But, all right. So you just have to you just have to imagine us as twins. I'll be twin one, you can be twin two. Okay. okay. Oh, what about the leg? I hope this doesn't end up on YouTube. Here, give me that microphone. Thank you very much. <laughs> The weirdest thing, of course, is that everything about this weekend, that will be the one thing that you remember, right? All right, so what we'll do is we'll show that at the end of the message, guys, just so hopefully we'll have it ready by then. So, um, is it ready? <laughs> no, 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 I think we'll wait till the end, otherwise uh, uh, I'll lose people's attention, I'm sure. <laughs> We've got it. Okay.
Isn't that adorable? And they go on. I mean, that goes on for several minutes, you know, but you get the idea. They are having this amazing uh, conversation together, all with ba 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 ba. That's okay. You can switch it off now. Thank you so much, guys. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. It's, yeah, how were we? Did we do all right? Yeah. They were better, though, right? They're better babies. But, I mean, I just think it's amazing. There's, there's this lovely conversation that's going on. They understand each other totally. And there's that beautiful childlike way. And what did Jesus say? He said, I want you to be like little children as you approach your father. And so over time, the um, uh, word Abba became a word that children used to address their fathers. And it's a, it's a term that holds two things. Very importantly, first of all, it's a term of respect, and secondly, it is a term of deep personal relationship. And I think when we're addressing our Father, we need to hold both of those things in our hearts. I, I get grieved when I hear people talk over-familiarly about God. You know, God's the, the, the fella upstairs, or the big man, or the dude, or whatever. You know, He's none of those things. He, he is the God of the universe, and, and I think we need to be respectful and reverential when we, uh, when we come to Him, but neither is He some austere, authoritarian, Victorian father where children should be seen but never heard. And so we have a deep personal relationship that is held in respect, nothing more that we wouldn't actually ask of our own children, and we need to have both of those things together. And so Jesus teaches us to respectfully come to the Father in prayer, calling him Papa, Dada, Daddy, just like any child would come to their loving Father and enjoy a love relationship with him and with their siblings. Now, as I wrap this up, I want to just finish up by saying, talking about the most important truth that the start of this prayer teaches us. Of all the things that Jesus could have started a prayer. He says, when you approach God, this is how you're to pray, our Father. Right at the start of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us how we're to approach God. And it's not about asking for things. Have you noticed that? It's not about confessing sin. It's not about seeking forgiveness or to seek to forgive other people. It's not about complaining about some trial or problem. I wonder, have you ever tried to start a prayer time with the Lord with any of those things? You ever just kind of walked into His presence and said, here's my shopping list. I want this, 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 and this, and this. In Jesus' name, amen. Did that ever resonate with you? Did you have any assurance in your heart that God heard and is going to respond? How would I feel if my kids walked into the house and said, good day, Dad, here's a list. These are the things I want. See, I'm going to my bedroom. The chance of them getting anything off that list would be very, very small. Why? Because I want relationship. And it's out of relationship that anything might be given or offered. When, when we're coming to God in our prayer time, because we're going through a tough time um, and, you know, we're going through a problem or a difficulty or something, and our whole prayer time is just whinging to God about the issue that we're going through, the problem, the trial, how we're feeling, whatever, we experience the truth of the words in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 23, where it says, your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze. It's a little bit like heaven has gone metal. 
and, and you're praying and the prayers are going and hitting the metal and reverberating back down. They're not actually getting through. I'm sure we've all had prayer times like that. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to come to God out of relationship, our Father. Not conscious of our failures and our fears, our sins and our sorrows, our wants and needs, our trials and temptations. Those things can be addressed later in prayer, and they are all addressed later in the Lord's Prayer. But first, we realize that Jesus has given His Father to be our Father. So whether you're praying on your own or with others, relax and enjoy the relationship that you have because you've been adopted into the family of God. Amen? As you look around yourself this morning, you know, this is not just a congregation of people. This is a community of people who share a common father. God is our father. Jesus is our older brother. And that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about that. You get to choose your friends, but not your family. I'm going to invite Christy to come. She's going to share a couple of things and then pray over you as we wrap up. Thank you, sweetheart. Beautiful. (laughs) I'd just like to take um, a couple of moments because we can. And because I think that in actually staying in the moment with other people, we get something that we wouldn't otherwise get. I think that we sometimes move from one thing to the next very, very quickly in our culture. We don't spend time sitting around the fires and watching the flames together. And we don't spend time holding each other and holding each other's stories. But that's what it is to live in community. And I find it incredible that God himself chose to live in community. The Trinity is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They flow between each other, and we flow. Whether we know it or not, we're constantly picking up. We're constantly picking up. You can walk into a room and you say you can cut the air with a knife, or you walk into the room and you sense the joy and the freedom. We're constantly moving in among each other. And as community, you know, we share something in common, and that is our humanity. Oftentimes, we we think about the differences, and you may have a difference in purpose, but we're not unique in our humanity. Whether you are a multimillionaire or a pauper, When it's all said and done, we all want the same thing. We all want to be understood. We all want to be held. We all want to be listened to. We all want to be accepted. We don't want judgment. We want love and unconditional love. And we can give that to a degree. But we can only give it to the degree that we get it from the source that never runs dry and never runs out. I don't know about you, but certainly my resources can run dry very quickly. 
But I know where to go. I know where to go to be held. And sometimes that is with the community of the Trinity. And sometimes that's in the expression of the community of what we call each other. Jesus came not to save us from our humanity, but actually to fully dwell and feel our humanity. I mean, the fact, it blows my mind that Jesus, that God submitted himself to his own creation in that he became a fetus, so vulnerable. Then that he died on the cross carrying all that pain and struggle and every single feeling that is in the whole plethora of human emotions. And then that rose, that, that, that rose to the heavens and that has been taken into the nature and character of God. That, this is the God. This is our Father. And sometimes when we say you and me, we forget the we. You know, if you put me on my head, we get we. And sometimes we have to put ourselves on our heads in order, in order to carry the we, in order to carry each other. South Africans call it Ubuntu. This, this we, the, the joy of we, the carrying of we, the sorrow of we. And the Bible talks about when we rejoice, we rejoice with one another. And when we weep, we weep with one another. You know, sometimes it's easy to enter into someone's suffering, but harder to enter into their joy when they are being successful. And we go, that's great, but what about me? Because we're comparison. We're not, we're not really feeling the we. So I just want you for one moment, let's just take a space. I invite you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable with that. And let's just think about our for a moment. Let's just think about when we pray that we have the same desire for love, forgiveness, acceptance, significance as anyone that we're praying for. That we actually are looking at a Father who sees us all equally. He doesn't want one to suffer and one to succeed. He wants us all, all to be blessed, to know his presence, to know his goodness, his mercy. I want you just to sit in this space for a moment. Really feel it. And then I want to ask a question. You know, when Rob preached that message last night, every time someone preaches a message and I say that's a good message, then the next question is, so what? What is God asking of me, because unless the message and the head knowledge becomes a heartfulness, a heart full of God's love for our fellow humans, it hasn't actually got flesh in us. It hasn't got legs and hands and arms. And when Rob said that between last night and this morning, my heart actually just weeps for those <laughs> seven billion times where people have sucked on a cigarette in order to get some relief 
from something that they're feeling. That is, the weight of that is in me and growing in me and, and I feel it. Those people want exactly the same as I want in life. And I'd like you to take this thought of our father into a situation that you're dealing with right now. It might be with a friend. It might be in your workplace. You might be in a situation where you're not feeling understood by someone. And just for a moment, just acknowledge that whatever that situation is and whoever those people involved in that situation are, they have the same humanness, the same vulnerabilities, and also access to the same Father, our Father. And how that may change the way you pray for them or hope for them or hold them before God. Can you hold them before God hoping for the same for them as you hope for yourself? And maybe the answer to that is not just quite yet. Ask the Lord to really give you that desire. If somebody's hurt you, it's often very hard to ask the Lord to bless them. But he's our Father. He's our Father. I just invite you now to just come back into this space where we are with each other. And I'd ask that you carry this, our Father, into your conversations at lunch, into your conversations with your friends, into your situations, knowing that God is good, His nature is good, and that everything belongs. That's what my Bible says. I know that God will work all things for good. Everything belongs. It's just asking the Lord to help us hold those things and to grow our capacity because He holds the whole world in His hands. Amen.